that I should be standing here this morning to share with you in this capacity is certainly a gift of grace. I'm very, very grateful. Thanks be to God. What an honor it is for me to be joining you today here at Harbor. And uh, it's a clear statement that God is at work, that all the way from Jamaica, I have come to be entrusted with this responsibility. The desire is to please the Lord. The chapter I will be taking you to this morning is from the book of Philemon. I will read the entire chapter because it is a very short one. The book has only one chapter, and I want us to focus on it for the next many minutes. Here we read, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our brother, beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldiers, soldier, and to the church in your house. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good work which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your faith, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You, I am sending him back. You, therefore, receive him that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be compulsion as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but now, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you then count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you, or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, 
for I trust that through your prayers I shall be, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to again look at your word. The light unto our feet, a lamp unto our pathway. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is able to do all that you intend. And today we come and ask that you, by your spirit, will just transmit the clarity with, with much clarity, your word to our hearts today, that upon hearing and leaving, we will embrace and we will go forth with, with confidence in you. We will go forth knowing that you who have begun the good work will continue to perform it. So we turn to you today and give you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The song done earlier, I have never heard before, and I liked it. Because you know, when you hear a song, it has to align with your doctrine, your theology, where you are going, and what God's doing in your life. And I thought, He Will Hold Me Fast is such a wonderful song. Never heard it before. When I fear my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. The entire song is very, very provoking and valuable. But I moved on and he says, raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. My Savior will hold me fast. What an assurance that our Savior is holding us. There was a time in my life when I thought I needed to intensify my grip on Jesus. Otherwise, I could lose him. And I am so glad that he has made it clear to me that if I was depending on my grip on him, my hold on him, it would be useless. I recall not too long ago as I was listening to a strong proclaimer of the word who made it clear that you know what? If I could lose, if I could lose my hold on him, I would lose it because I just can't grip him good enough to secure my hold on him. It's a beautiful thing to know that we're not sustaining this. He is the Savior. He is the sustainer and the glorifier. Today, I have thought through what I want to share with you today, and I believe that the Lord has directed my thought to speak to you on the subject that the sharing of your faith may become effective. 
that the sharing of our faith may become effective. Some of you may not know that the, there was a time when I visited here before, and I recall vividly it was our brother Mark Chansky who spoke, and I think the topic was getting the message to Garcia, or, and it, he highlighted the fact of faithfulness and how that the reliability of the message is to be sustained. And as I thought about sharing with you today regarding the effectiveness of our faith, yesterday we had a great opportunity going in the park, myself and our brother Rick, along with another brother who I have recently met and interacted with. And it was such a joy to be able to see how God allowed us to minister to different ones and sharing the message. And within this text today is the call to, to, to proclaim the gospel in an effective manner. Very, very important that as we journey along. And I submit to you today that you will see that this particular letter, in a sense, is, is what I would say uh, sort of micromises the gospel. In, in other words, the entire message of redemption is to be found in, in nugget form in the book of Philemon. And I will tell you what I have discovered as you will be provoked to go beyond here and dig deeper into it so that you can be impacted beyond this to the glory of God. The verses of emphasis would be verse 4 to 7, which says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the, for the full knowledge of everything that is in us for the sake of Christ. Now, you will understand, my brothers and sisters, that ultimately God's work produces good work in the believer's life. God's work produces good work in the believer's life. I have said that to say that our work certainly is of no value in terms of our salvation and our journey. It is God who wills in us to do of his good pleasure. It's the working out of what God has worked into us, right? It's the working out. And in sharing our faith and becoming effective, it's the call to ensure that what God is working in us through his word is really, really at work in us. And that we are embracing his word and that we are believing his word and that we are running with his word according to the mandate that is on us. In the Sunday school class this morning, I remember Oh, my brother with passion expressed that, oh, I would just love to hear the voice of Jesus. I, want, I, I wouldn't mind. I read his word, but I want to hear him. And I, and I said, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think, I sat there and I thought to myself, it's this degree of passion with which we are to embrace the word that is revealed to us. Because certainly there is absolutely no other revelation that we have other than this the revelation in the word. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, 
In Philippians chapter 2, I will cite this for a moment in verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I, I tend to interpret this as let your salvation be unfolded. In other words, let the work of God that is within you manifest for the effective sharing of the gospel. For it is God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let me provide for you, those of you who may not be friendly with this text, a little bit of the backdrop of the book of Philemon. I have discovered that it was around 60 AD, the Apostle Paul was in prison. He was in prison in Ephesus. He is desiring of reconciling Philemon, who was a prominent member of the church of Colossae, to his runaway slave Onesimus. And Onesimus by this time was homeless, and unless Philemon was gracious enough to accept him back, he was going to be homeless. He was probably going to be killed even before he got back to where he needed to be. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter. And I've often thought about what must have gone on in the mind of the Apostle Paul as he, as he gets this letter out there. And whoever was a scribe, you know, you can imagine he must have carefully articulated this so that this would be documented. And we are told that, of course, around the same time, there was another letter. The letter of Colossians was written and transported by another, another partner in the gospel. And, and so he, now his intention is for Onesimus' life to be spared and be received back, not as a slave on this occasion, but as a brother. In other words, Philemon, you had him as a slave, but the, the desire is not for you to receive him back as a slave, but on this occasion, you will understand that he is your brother. Now, many of us will, who know the story will recall, and some of us have managed to dig into it a little bit to, to understand and have concluded that, well, Philemon obviously had done um, some um, injustice. Um, Onesimus had done some injustice to Philemon. It seemed like he had robbed him. It seemed like he had run away to Ephesus, hiding out there in the metropolis. He is busy doing his thing. Perhaps he continued with that same kind of behavior. But through the providence of God, we can only conclude that he met the Apostle Paul. And after meeting the Apostle Paul, now we don't know, I, I like to imagine how that must have unfolded. Could it be that he, after getting out there, he got into some more trouble and he was caught this time. And now he ended up in a similar a prison cell like the Apostle Paul. And could it be that after a while, the conversation went on to the point where Paul obviously got to minister to Onesimus, and Onesimus was birthed 
into the kingdom of God. And you hath he quickened Onesimus, who was dead in trespasses and sin, whereas in times past you walked according to the rudiments of the world. Now you have come to embrace the truth. And Paul was excited about where Onesimus had come to be because he realized that this man now is valuable. And I think I could very well a little bit to say that as you imagine the story and looked at it, you can only, we can only conclude that Paul had such an impact on Onesimus' life that when he, when he, by this time, he's not ready to send Onesimus back. Now, think about it. Philemon owned Onesimus, and so for him to be the owner of Onesimus, Paul now was placed in a position where he needed to do what was right above what felt good or what seemed better to him. It could be, and you hear it laced throughout the letter, where he said, he was of no value to you. And you know that Onesimus, I'm told, means useful. At that point, he was no useful. But Paul says, not only has he now become useful to me, but he's useful to you. And I could have kept him because I have now discovered value in him. Perhaps because of what was going on in the life of the Apostle Paul, he could have used the partnership of Onesimus out there, the companionship of Onesimus out there. But he knew that he had to redirect Onesimus back to Philemon. And, uh, and I, by way of application, brothers and sisters, it is important that we understand that sometimes to do what is right is always better than to do what is good. What, well, that's not, to do what is right is always better to, than to do what, what seems okay to us for the need of a better way to, to put this. In other words, though I can access Onesimus for the value that is now in him as a result of the working of the faith, right? The right thing for me to do is redirect him back to his owner, which is you, Philemon. But when you look at the story, what you discover is that Paul is saying to Philemon, I have confidence that even though he has done you harm, even though he has done you wrong, the faith that is in you will prevail to where you will not offer to him evil for evil but you will now receive him back as a brother. He, I was reading a book not too long ago, and it was Martin Luther who said, at some point in our lives, we've all been Onesimuses. We've all been the runaway slave. And isn't this the gospel, that we have all been alienated from God? We've all been lost, died, died. We, and, and God, through his son Jesus Christ, and that's why at the preface of this, I said, in a sense, this book seemed to be to capture the entire message of redemption because we've all been there when we were, when we missed it, when we were lost. And God, through his son, Jesus Christ, redirected us to where we need to be. Hence, we are here today. So as we read the text, we see that Paul is in pursuit of the goal of causing both Philemon's faith to be effective and the faith of Onesimus. He says uh, he restrains himself 
from demanding this favor from, Onis, from Philemon, and he says, I am having confidence that the grace that is in you is at work, and it will extend to your brother. So what we see in the chapter is Paul as an intercessor. We see Paul interceding for Onesimus. We also see in the chapter a burdened partner, a partner who is carrying a burden. He sees Onesimus now as his brother, not just that. And you can see the, the situation that the Apostle Paul is now in. Because here he is, and by this time it seemed like Philemon had become the pastor of the church out there. He seemed to have been doing well, because for you to have a slave, you must, of course, have been doing really well in that sense of it. But now he had become the pastor, and Paul, he said, I'm sending him back to you. Now, you just can imagine, and, and I think one of the things that I imagine is here you have Onesimus, who's aware of what he did that has occasioned him to be out here, and now He's taking back his own acquittal letter. In other words, he, you, I almost get a sense of excitement when Onesimus says, I'm going back. Well, Onesimus, you know that if they capture you, they're going to kill you. You may as well have been a murderer because that's the punishment you're going to get, Onesimus, if you're captured. And Onesimus took it back, right? I am impressed with the degree of wisdom that the Lord gave to the Apostle Paul in how he was able to just write this letter, but not only writing the letter, strategizing regarding how Onesimus was going to make his way back to Philemon without being captured. And by this time, we understand that had he been captured before, as I said, he would have been killed because that would have been the penalty for what he did. As we've taken this brief journey, the essence of what we want to see is, as in verse 13, you hear the Apostle Paul says in verse 13, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. He might minister to me. So Paul realizes I have need for Onesimus, but I'm releasing Onesimus to return to you. And the reason I'm doing this is because I definitely want you to let the faith that you have received be effective as you minister to the saints, as you minister to one another. He talks about the importance of love and trust. In verse 5, he says, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So Paul says, I have confidence because I have heard of your love. You know, that's a nice way to write a letter. In other words, I'm writing this to you and I, have a tra I hear of your track record. And because of the track record of your love and your faith, I have confidence that the God who has begun that in you will continue to perform it. So he's, he's making his inroad with this, and he says, I have heard of that, your love for the saints. And verse 6 now, he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective 
for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you, in us, for the sake of Christ. Again, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good work, every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, what we do is to be for the sake of Christ, by the power of Christ, through his mighty power that we are able to do that. There are three things I want you to just, that could be somewhat iconic as you recall this. And the number one is that there must be an effective, our faith must be effective in visible generosity. Effective in visible generosity. And by generosity here, I'm not just talking about the, 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 just in limiting it to one particular way, but in the sense that we are always a given people of the gospel, giving, sharing what we have received, reaching out, ensuring that others, I heard Brother Rick as he stood up here this morning and talk about Adam that we met yesterday, and that was a great statement. And while we were there, Adam needed to go about a couple miles down the road to get to his work, and it was Brother Rick who said, let's, let's take you, let's take you. I listened keenly as well this morning and noticed there was this, the lady that the church is reaching out to. And the reality is, as we know, we don't save people, but we're conduits of God's grace. We're conduits carrying the gospel. And as we faithfully do that, the Spirit of the Lord allows us to effectively communicate our faith. Paul says in verse 5, because I hear of your love and your faith. In other words, I, there's a testimony to your visible generosity. I have heard of your love and your faith. It's demonstrative. It's demonstrative. There is a record that you are on the path. There is an understanding that you are engaged in doing what God has called you to do. And now he says, I have heard of your faith. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. Now there are times when we look at this and we see it as an historical book, the word of God and so on, but... Could it, the, the thing, one of the things that is to be captured and walk away with from every message is that even though it had in mind an initial audience, but it, and this book was a personal private letter in that sense, but it is also a book that is intended for the body of Christ throughout the history of time. So the, the value of it is not just for the historical Onesimus. But the value of it is for you and I. Are the souls of the saints being refreshed as a result of our generosity? Are we keen looking to the right, to the left, to see how can I change a life 
by responding to the word of God. The hearts of the saints, he had the testimony and it says, the hearts of the saints, Philemon, has been refreshed through you. That's why you're here today. Because there are those who have been refreshing your hearts with the gospel and with the, the koinonia of the saints, the communion of the saints. Such a valuable, valuable thing. As reading, it's a man by the name of Jim Elliott, missionary to Ecuador. Some of you may very well know of him. And I like the statement so much that I've repeated a few times. After he died, I think they, you know, after he died, they found his sacred diary. And the statement was there, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I know that, that, that it may not necessarily be theologically accurate, but there's an applicable aspect to it. There's an aspect to it that has value. And verse 17 said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Focus on the fact that this is what I want you to do. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. So the Apostle Paul is saying to Philemon, if you see him as you see me, you know the way you can have regard for for, and of course, the Apostle Paul would say, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. But you know the way that people can have regard for this one and doesn't have any regard for this one? And have regard for this one and doesn't have any. And Paul says to Philemon, I don't want you to do that. I want you to receive Onesimus the way you would receive me. Receive him the way that you would receive me. Receive him as a brother. And if he owes you anything, he says, send the bill to me. You know, that's kind of nice, don't you think? He says, if he owes you anything, yes, send it to me. Send it, send it to me. You know, the, the story of, you know, the Good Samaritan is very iconic. If you listen to that, you realize this is what, this is what the, the Good Samaritan did, what he did. You know, the religious man passed him. The law keeper passed him. But he passed, and you know, the good Samaritan said, no, I can't afford to do this. I must respond to this. He says, put him in an inn, take care of him, and, you know, just, just forward to me. In other words, I have no challenge in, 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 um, in imposing on my own economics in order to do what I can do in the interest of a beloved um, brother. Then there is the need to effect, be effective in the clarity of the message. I'm from Jamaica. The reason I am here, and some of you may be aware of the conversation to some degree, but the reason I am here is I'm crying out to God. I want to see the prosperity of the gospel. I want to see the prosperity of the gospel. I want it to be very clear in our, to our people and beyond that we are wretched without God, that we are dead 
And that, with that backdrop, God in his sovereign grace and mercy has sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, pay the price for his elect. And that as the gospel is received, salvation is gotten. And that it is not of works of righteousness wherewith any man is saved. And I say that because there's a large understanding or perhaps misunderstanding in this case of what the gospel really is, where it is reduced to spirituality, where it is reduced to emotionalism, where it is reduced to sentimentalism, where it is reduced to, to, to different things, and not faith in Jesus Christ. And that is why we say, that it is in Christ alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, that salvation can be gotten. Paul says in Galatians, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for there is absolutely no other doorway, there is no other pathway to salvation but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so effectively communicating our faith through the clarity of the gospel. The clarity of the gospel. You know, it's not, you know, I, I could walk up and say, do you want to go to heaven? That's great. But sometimes if I just want you to go to heaven without understanding why you're in hell, I'm probably not doing a good job enough to help you. Because there has to be an understanding that because of my rebellion against God, I'm dead in sin. And it's not limited to my choice or my desire to be out, it's really been birthed into God's kingdom through the gospel, the word of Jesus Christ. So, effective in the clarity of the message. Paul says, in the full knowledge of every good work. The full knowledge of every good work. The full knowledge of what Christ has done. This is it. God sent Jesus who came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross. He rose from the grave on the 30 according to the scriptures. He ascended to the Father. He presented an offering of his blood for the redemption of his elect. Ladies and gentlemen, as Paul says in verse 8, he says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. So yet for love's sake, I appeal to you. When the love of God is in us, the love of God compels us to go beyond. And finally, effective in full confidence in Christ. Effective, effectively communicating our faith with full confidence in Christ. Not of good I have done. Not of any value that is of me. It's all of Christ. It's all for Christ. And this is what Paul is saying to Philemon as he gets the message out to Garcia. As he gets the message out regarding how you are, how we are to extend ourselves or to see the prosperity of the gospel, not just 
our prosperity, but the prosperity of God's word. For the believers to understand that there is a role for us to play in our perseverance, in our pressing on in faith. Yet it is God who undergirds the entire salvation of the believer from start to finish. All who have been justified will be glorified by growing in faith and clinging close to Christ. And verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 1, I love it so much. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets and run the race with patience. Run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endures the cross, despising its shame, and he sits at the right hand of God, and he makes intercession for us. Ladies and gentlemen, as we look back, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, where we call, often referred to as the roll call of the heroes of faith. And uh, we know that there are many who have fought hard, men who's, who were sawn asunder, men who, whose lives were eaten by wild beasts, people who had sacrificed their lives for the sake of the gospel. And again, we are called to continue to share with a deep understanding of the grace of God that we have received. So the Apostle Paul wrote, Philemon, there's a responsibility on your part. And I like to say responsibility is responding to God's ability in that you can only respond because you are able. And it is God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Our Father, we thank you. We can only depend on you for the effectiveness of your word. We trust you today and the opportunity to be able to share, Lord, we do so with fear and trembling because you are God. Thank you for your loving kindness. Amen.